Well, I'm going to be changing my greeting, and i got to prep you, okay? Uh, if this is your first time with us, I'm so glad you're here. We are, we are one church, but we, we are simultaneously in, in multiple places. And here's, here's the deal, I'm prepping you. Some of you, you hate change. You despise it, and it's okay. I'm not hating on you. So I'm going to give you a little bit of time to prepare for some change. This is good change. Some of you are like, was well, it good or bad change? This is good. October 15th, not too far away. I'm going to, right before that, stand right here and be able to welcome not just the fellows at RCMU, not just East and West and people online and, and all over. It, I'm going to get to welcome in a little bit our brand new location, downtown Rapid City. So for those of you who need time preparing, that's my gift to you, okay? You're going to be ready for that. You're going to be like, when I start spouting, hey, everybody at East and West and in downtown, you're going to be like, what? Now you, now you know. So I just want to prepare you. If, by the way, if you know someone who is unable to go to church on the weekends because of work and stuff like that, the downtown location will meet on Tuesday nights. Yes, you can worship God on non-Saturday and Sundays. And uh, we're going to try to be a church that meets people where they're at. So we're going to offer a Tuesday night service. And uh, it'll be downtown Rapid City. So I just wanted to prep you for that. So you're prepped. So when I bring it up again in the weekends to come, you're not going to be like, he's changing stuff on us all of a sudden. No, I'm not. Got it? That's how you have a family conversation. So we're in a family series. We've been talking about how to build the family that lasts. One that can actually weather life and the storms that happen all around us, right? And I want to go after something very specific this weekend, honor. I want to talk to you about honor. I think honor is a big deal to you, but I want to dive deep with it. I want you and I to process honor. In fact, this is such a big deal to this particular sermon, I want to give you a a definition. By definition, here's what it is. I know you already know this, but sometimes the, the words help us articulate it. Honor, to treat as precious, weighty, or valuable. Honor. We do well with honor in facets of life. Just bringing this up made me see this in my house. This is, to you, probably, I mean, an old-looking hat. This, this was my grandpa's. Uh, it says the USS Pringle, uh, a World War II naval destroyer. And uh, he proudly wore this hat. Uh, I don't have a lot of stories from the war, uh, he withheld those from us, uh, but I have this. Uh, he taught me lots of things about life, by the way, my grandpa did. He taught me how to build things. We built a doghouse that could withstand any hurricane. Uh, when we built it, we didn't know how quite to move it from where we built it. It was that fortified. Uh, but he, he taught me how to, how to use a hammer and nail and what to do when you hit your thumb and what to say. Uh, he taught me, he actually is one that helped me learn how to fish. Uh, he taught me how to, how to take some good barbecue chicken and burn it too much. And so that when you fed it to the family, everyone was like, what happened? Why didn't you remove it? So he taught me a lot of things. And, and the reason I bring this up, because uh, it, was, it, was actually, it was actually at his funeral that he, he taught me a lesson, not on purpose. Uh, I was young, and I remember being at the graveside. And I remember if you've, if you've, ever been at the graveside part, the family has a little seating section. My grandma, you know, was sitting on the front row. And I'll never forget, it got to some point, again, I was young, I don't remember all the details, but what I can tell you is what I'm about to tell you. 
there was a part that the military made the presence known. I, I, this was new to me. I, did, I don't have a lot of family that served in the military. So this was brand new to me, a new, first time experience. All of a sudden, there's a guy in a uniform kneeling down in front of my grandma, handing her a flag. And I could, I could not understand everything he was saying, but it was as if, it was as if the guy knew my grandpa. But that would have been impossible. This guy was young, and they didn't serve at the same time. And Many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've been in these moments where my grandpa, uh, he, he, he served on a destroyer, and I can tell you what he did. It was, it was during a war, so he uh, had multiple jobs. Uh, he manned a gun on the outside. To, to me as a kid, that was the cool part that he didn't really talk to us about. We learned that from grandma. Uh, when they weren't actually shooting, uh, he was in the kitchen. That was his job. Like, I can't imagine that kind of a life where, like, you're, you're cooking and you're like, hey, we need you to really per- go shoot big giant gun. And, and they would go out. There and die. I can't imagine going back and forth. My grandpa didn't serve in the military very long, actually. Uh, he didn't serve for years upon years and retire in it. My grandpa doesn't have, at least that I know of, any well-known war stories or he's not in any books. He's... There's just not a lot written about him. And it, but at his, at his funeral, the military, in my eyes, treated him like he had value. It's marked me. I, I think if you and I could have a family conversation and, and, and lean into that kind of approach to life, I think we all win. I think the military doesn't do it perfectly, but they do it better than a lot of areas in life where no matter what you accomplish, no matter how many ribbons and awards and things that you had, no matter what your rank was, you served, and so you're going to get acknowledged because you're valuable. Honor. Honor is something you and I crave, don't we? Honor is a big deal to us. Honor is not a new thing. Jesus had an encounter in which in the midst of the encounter, he brought up honor. I'd like to show it to you. Jesus left there. He had just done amazing miracles. He left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. He's teaching, and they're like, what? This is amazing, much like you experience every weekend. Where did this man get these things? They asked. What's this, what's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? They are amazed by him, obviously. He's teaching, and they're like, we don't know how you learn this stuff. We're captivated. You're amazing. You're amazing. And then in a split second, they went from you're amazing, and the whole tone changed. Let me show you. Isn't this the carpenter? I mean, like, all of a sudden, you're amazing. Wait a minute. Isn't... Isn't this the carpenter? That was not a compliment. Isn't this Mary's son? Also not a compliment, if you don't know the inner details. Mary, to many, had a baby out of wedlock. Many would accuse her of having an illegitimate son. And if you want to know what they're saying, when like, isn't this Mary's son? They were, they were being cruel. Isn't this Mary's son and 
and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, aren't, aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. If you got into the original language, let me help you more. They were offended. They flat out, and that sounds, and they took offense. No, no. they were offended and actually, it goes even further if you dive into the language, they rejected what he was saying because, because they're like, you are nobody. We're amazed by what you're saying, but, but you're a nobody. And they began to just literally push him away, reject, even though they were like, we love what you're saying. But you are no longer important to us. What a turn of events, quickly. And then, then Jesus responds, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own town, among his relatives, and his own home. Now, I don't know if you have the spiritual gift of prophecy, but you and I can look at this and apply it because, well, that word without honor, let me show you the definition of without honor, and I think we begin to plug this in. To treat as common or ordinary. Church, this is why I'm bringing this up as we talk about building a family to last. I'm concerned that many of us in our families, in our homes, in our private times are treating each other as though who we are with, who is around us, who we live with, who we're related to, they are just common and ordinary. I don't think it started out that way. Typically, if you take that approach in a dating approach, the relationship ends quickly. Uh, Someone is going to be like, you don't treat me very special. Typically, when you start dating, you're like, you're so amazing. And then you tell all your friends how amazing that person is. And they look at you going, no, they're not. But okay, okay, that sounds great. Then fast forward. Many of us get into marriage and years down the road, it's no longer, you're so amazing. It's you didn't clean the dishes. Then we have kids and most of the time when the kids enter our lives, we're like, you are so precious, you are so wonderful. Then they get a D. And all of a sudden, it's not like, you're so wonderful. We begin to look at each other differently. And I love how Jesus brings up that a prophet in his own hometown with his family, with his relatives, with his people, loses honor, doesn't get shown honor. And I think in the home nowadays, that's rampant. And we must fight it. So I'll ask you a question. Don't answer out loud. How ordinary do you treat your family? If you want to build a family that lasts, I think God has gathered us, wherever you're at, I think God has gathered us to ask us this question, to literally put on our plate being like, hey, I know you love each other and you would write it down. If something bad happened, you kind of would come together maybe and, and there'd be like these moments, because this is what we do. We do well with moments, right? The big moments, we get together, you are so wonderful. But then the everyday we begin to project on you are common, you are ordinary. And I think that's hurting our families. Oftentimes, it's not the big moments. It's the moment after moment after moment after moment of treating someone as though they really don't have a lot of value. They're just ordinary and common. That begins to sever the relationship slowly. I wonder, I wonder what a lack of honor in your home has been doing that you are unaware of. 
we have evidence that in the story of Jesus, that the lack of honor that was shown to him affected him. Jesus. If, if you keep reading in the story, well, here, he could not do any miracles there. Except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. According to what we read in the Bible, Jesus, the Son of God, was not able to do all that he wanted to do because there was a lack of honor and faith. They literally looked at him like, you are ordinary. You were just this carpenter, whatever. You are nothing. And it affected him. Can you imagine if it affected Jesus? What is a lack of honor doing in our homes? What is a lack of showing each other, no matter if you feel it or not? What's it doing to us? Now, some of you are like, well, I don't have Jesus in my home. Um, they don't act like Jesus. They don't talk like Jesus. They don't behave like Jesus. And if Jesus were in my home, I would honor him and show him value as though he's amazing. But I got these other people in my home. I'm going to go there, okay? Some of you are like, How? yeah, no, we think these things. And so I looked up some, some more quotes on honor that need our attention. Here's, here's one. Honor isn't given. It's earned. And some of us are like, yes, preach it. Some of you are like, this, this is the best sermon you've ever heard. You're going to post this now. Like, yeah, honor isn't given, it's earned. It's a quote by, if you want to, Mr. Anonymous, if you want to look it up. But uh, honor isn't given, it's earned. If you keep looking up honor quotes, you'll find another one. Honor is given, not earned. Welcome to the problem with the internet. Right? It reveals that you and I have opinions, and guess what? Our opinions sometimes conflict with each other. Sometimes one person can say this, and the person can say this, and be like, we can't both be right. My intention is not to attack one or the other of these quotes. Our goal is better than that. Our goal is just to acknowledge that honor is important. Honor is a big deal. Treating each other as though they, we each have value. Treating each other as though we are not just ordinary, common existence. We, we, are, we are real people. Can you imagine what this would do? So here's the, the main point of the whole sermon. I'm just going to get right there. Make honor regular in your home. Some of you, that's all you need. You're like, you can, you can literally go now. That's it. That's what you needed from the Lord. You're like, Jesus, Bob, yeah, honor, it's, it's not happening. You know that you know what honor is. You're like, okay, I need to make it regular. I need to make it regular. I'd like to go a little bit further, though, with the sermon. Let's keep going. I think there's more for us to learn here. Uh, there's a couple things that, if you're like, you know, I agree with you, David, there should be honor in the home. But some of us have, in our minds already, come up with conclusions as to why there isn't. Or maybe you're wondering, why isn't there more honor in our home? I'll give you some reasons. Here's one. Survival mode makes honor difficult. You ever been in survival mode? Some of you want to scream out right now, I am in survival mode, help me, <laughs> right? I mean, survival mode, I don't, you don't need a definition from me on this one, do you? I mean, you, you know survival mode is like the card that we all have in our pockets that should you decide to play it publicly, everyone will be like, oh, okay, right? 
Survival mode is when you've got more to do than you are physically and emotionally able to do, and you're just trying to survive. If you have more than just you in your home, you have experienced survival mode at some moment in your life where you at least think in this moment, how do I get through this season? Survival mode begins to make us focus on ourselves. And you might be like, well, it's legitimate. I'm not hating on survival mode. Um, I've experienced it. I've lived it. You have too. This is normal. But what you're doing with survival mode, better yet, how you're treating people in the midst of your survival mode needs some attention. Um, in our home, we, we continue to add children. And it's great. But there are moments where survival mode becomes like that's just what we think life is about. Perhaps you've been there. doesn't even just require kids. Maybe you just got a new job, and you're just like, I mean, I got all this stuff going on in my head, and you're just, okay, okay. Survival mode has a tendency, has a tendency for you to believe that other people should see your need, right, and address it. And until they do, they are evil to you. They are bad people. They are not doing what they should do. And so we as a family ran into this. So I'm just going to be, if you're, let me, let me be vulnerable on our behalf, okay? Uh, we encountered this as a family. I remember one time, uh, Katie was gone. I don't even remember what she was gone for, but it was like overnight, and she was gone, and I was in charge. I tell you that because I'm still shocked, okay? I'm just still, I was in charge, and I'm just going to fess up to you. I've already fessed up to her. We destroyed the house. When I say destroyed, things were broken. Things were spilled. Food was left out. Over. We had, we, I made dinner. Oh, no, I think I ordered dinner. I ordered dinner. It was there. And you need to know dinner stayed there on the counter until the next day. And I was like, oh, someone usually does something with that. Right? And you, maybe we've had these experiences. And, and I remember going, this is bad because I knew Katie was coming back. I mean, that was what's what we were hoping. She was going to come back. And we, so I look at my kids, and now, and now it's like, we need to assemble. Because if she returns to this place, she may leave and never, I mean, this, this could be bad. So I, I gathered the kids, but then I had this thought. I think it was from the Lord, I promise you this. And I was like, I can tell them that we're going to get in trouble if we don't clean up. I mean, is it, okay, I'm just, I'm just telling you my thoughts. And in my thoughts, I'm like, if we don't clean this up, you guys don't get in trouble. Daddy does. So, but then the, then the thought from the Lord. Listen, is that what you really want to teach these kids? That that's the kind of relationship you have with Katie. That it, the only reason we do this is so that we aren't in trouble. And I had one of those moments going, oh, and I feel like he shared with me, no, 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 this is about an honor conversation. So what I did with them, just so you know, I said, kids, let's gather up, let's talk about this. Hey, when your mom comes back, you know, she's going to have been traveling and she's going to be tired. Now, kids, when you're tired and you come home, what would you like to do? And they began to list off a lot of things that weren't the answers I was looking for. 
And so I pressed a little bit further. It was like, no, 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 no. If you come home and you're tired, would you like to just go to a clean room? Just your sheets are all nice and your room's all comfortable. Or do you want to climb over stuff and have to, and they're like, oh, a clean room. Then I bet, it, I bet, I bet we can honor mom. Let's honor mom. She's incredible, isn't it? And it's like, you know, yeah, yeah, she's incredible. Let's honor her by making this place amazing. And you should have seen their whole countenance changed. This wasn't like me screaming orders and like, we hate you, dad, this is horrible. No, they all just dispersed. They didn't even need a lot of direction. And began to clean the house, get it all nice and neat and everything and get it all set up to where when she came home, it, it not only looked good, it smelled good. Yeah, candles. And when I didn't know what God was working in me, and it now is a part of our home life, that this is how we talk to each other. We don't do things for each other so that the other person will like us or, or be, not be mad. Or, no, it's a regular conversation. Hey, let's do this to honor them. If we have a kid that's sick or someone that's sick, hey, why don't you let them just stay in the room in their bed? Let's not bother. Let's, let's honor them. I mean, that's, they are special, right? And you begin to build you get, begin to build into your family this culture of we treat each other even though we're all in survival mode. Do not miss that point. We all got stuff to do. But that does not negate the importance of valuing everyone in your home at all times. And here's the lesson. Here's the lesson I've learned. I think this is helpful. Choosing to honor is choosing to protect. And when we've chosen this, and by the way, I, they've done it more for me than I have done it for them. We begin to protect our families when by choice, whether we are in survival mode, whether work was stressful, whether we don't have a lot of sleep, whether we've got this or that on our minds, when we actually choose to value another person, we are protecting our families. Because if you want to know what begins to erode a family, it's these small moments where someone comes home and does not feel valued. Then the next day, they come home and they do not feel valued. And then all of a sudden, someone at work begins to value that person. You see where this goes. See, if we don't value each other at home, not for the sake of manipulation, but of leading each other and protecting each other so that we don't need the world to define their value, we can reveal it at home. And I'm not sure all of our homes are revealing each other's value. That's one of them. So just pay attention to that. I'm not telling you to start cleaning the house only because of this or that. There are multiple ways to do this. But perhaps it's not about making each other mad or happy. It's just showing value. Let's go to more of the tougher one. Hurt makes honor difficult. Perhaps some of you were like, oh, I've got the house clean. I've been doing that for years. And I've been doing it for years, and no one's paid attention. Hurt makes honor difficult to give. If you've ever, never been taught the cycle, I can show you the cycle of what happens. Uh, you have an unmet expectation. Um, has anyone ever experienced an unmet expectation? Just raise your hand if you've ever had an unmet expectation. Okay. Some of you are in church and you're lying. Be careful. <laughs> unmet expectation. You, whatever it is, the unmet, whether it was a healthy expectation or an unhealthy, it doesn't matter. I'm just saying you, you had an unmet expectation. Well, that eventually turns into a bit of a hurt. You're like, 
that hurt me that, that you didn't or, or that you did, right? And then if you don't do anything with this, if you just let it just be there, it turns into bitterness. And then here's the problem with bitterness. It cycles back up to where if you're bitter, oh, you start to have unmet expectations that are crazy and all the time, and you just live in that world which creates more hurt, more bitterness, and you just begin to live that way. Happens in families all the time. An unmet expectation leads to this, I've been hurt, and then it just stays there because you're like, well, I'm, gonna, I'm just not going to speak it. Then you get this bitterness, and the bitterness begins to go out into all of your relationships. What do you do when this happens to you? You don't have to answer that by yourself. I can show you what the Lord teaches us. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Oh. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Then just a few verses later, it goes after it. Do not be overcome by evil. Okay, Moses was like, oh, okay, I don't want that. So overcome evil with good. See, many of us have thought that the issue of forgiveness and dealing with hurt is to have that person say, I'm sorry, and for them to really display that they really are sorry, right? And they're like, hey, they need to prove to me that that apology was legit, and then they got to kind of earn a little bit of penance or some jail time in my brain, and then when they go through all that, then maybe. Have you ever considered the fact that forgiveness is powerful because forgiveness overcomes evil? The reason that Jesus said, and so many, I mean, there's just, it, the Bible's saturated in, in forgive, forgive. It's not forget what was done or, or don't acknowledge your pain. No, it's, it's an evil conversation. And many of us in our families have evil all over the place because we are holding on to pain. We are holding on to pain. See, I even know bringing this up, some of us are like, stop it, David. David, you don't, even, you don't even know what I experienced in my family. How can, I, how can I forgive that? How can I just drop that? I'm not asking you to just drop it. I'm saying don't let evil win. If you want honor in your home, if you want to build the family that lasts, you can't let evil win. Don't let evil win. And that means you've got to deal with your unmet expectations and your hurt. In fact, I thought many of us would not even resonate with this, so I've got to tell you a story to help us get there, I think. There's there's some missionaries in India. Gladys Staines is her name. She and her husband and kids went to India to work with lepers. I don't have time to get into all that leprosy is, but it's incredible what they were willing to spend their life doing to go show people who Jesus is, specifically lepers. And so they go there to India. They're not familiar with the territory, and they're just giving themselves to God and to other people and the dad and the boys got, in, got into their vehicle one night and, and they went to drive to a Christian camp they were going to go to. There was a problem, though. Amongst the country, there were all these riots going on, so they had to be careful as they were traveling. Well, they, got, they got to the camp, but they had to stay overnight in their vehicle. Some of the folks who were rioting, who were actually, here's what they declared, they were trying to stomp out Christianity. That's what the purpose of these riots were, were to stomp it out. 
Well, they found them, and they knew who they were, and so they surrounded the Jeep. They didn't let the dad and the kids out of the Jeep, and they lit the Jeep on fire and killed them. It's a horrible tragedy. In fact, in fact, I, I'm not going to bore you on it, but the tragedy was so bad, it spread across the world. The news of this, perhaps some of you have even heard this, spread all over. It literally went viral because of how disgusting and, and horrific it was. Within 24 hours, so many news places were at the front doorstep of Gladys. 24 hours. Can you imagine your thought process 24 hours after that experience? There were two main questions that they asked her over and over and over again. Are you going to forgive them? And what is your message to the people of India? I don't know what your answer would be. I can read you hers. She, she gave her answer and she she basically says, I'm going to forgive them. I wanted people to know that Jesus forgives. That God loves them. And he wants them to know him. If you think that she was in such shock that she was denying reality, listen to this. It is far from my mind to punish the persons who were responsible, but it is my desire and hope that they repent and be reformed. She was aware of what happened. And she decided to forgive them within 24 hours. I actually don't tell you that story for everything I've told you so far. Approximately 500,000 to 1 million people were murdered in the midst of these riots. Over 10 million people were left homeless by the time the riots were over. Somewhere in there, I believe it was about six years after the death of her family, India, the government, was so overwhelmed by her willingness to forgive within 24, they were blown away that she would forgive and that she would tell the people of India that she forgave. They were blown away. They decided, well, we've got to give her an award. So their highest level award, they decided, we're going to give it to her. She's amazing. So here's what they decided to do, is they were going to go city by city by city, having a special day where all the government officials in each city would assemble, and she would be there, and they would hand her the award, and they would talk about what happened, and how she was forgiving, and they would honor city by city by city. They would go to these cities, and they would put all these police people all over because there were riots. But when the ceremony began, the riots began to chill out a little bit in those particular cities. People began to listen to what she had done, and when that ceremony was over and they went to the next city, the riots began to go away. And go away. City by city after the ceremony, her story of forgiveness began to actually change an entire, entire group of people who were killing each other. And they now will say, that the riots stopped because she decided within 24 hours to say, even though I hate what they did, they are still people. In the article, the article I read said this, uh, 
Forgiveness breaks the chain of cause and effect. If you would listen to me very intently just for a moment, I imagine the majority of us have stories of hurt in the midst of our families. And you are legitimate on your story. It really hurt. It was bad. No one is going to argue the fact that what happened was, was just not something that should have ever happened. It was just bad. But you need to know that if you're holding on to that hurt and not dealing with it and letting it become bitterness, that there is a cause and effect now happening whether you're willing to admit it or not. And when we hold on to that stuff, we begin to push our family members away and create more problems. So our choice is this, that whether you're in survival mode or you've been hurt, here's my question. Will you, will you make honor consistent in your home? It might require a bit of an apology, a bit of a, hey, we got to work through some stuff before we can get there. But, but you can look at your family members and begin to look at each other and say, hey, you have value. I've, I've been treating you like you're ordinary or you're common or that I'm guaranteed to see you tomorrow. No, not any longer. Do you understand that God did this exact thing to you and I? He's never treated you and I like we are common or ordinary. In fact, by his willingness to forgive us was honor that we did not earn or deserve, but we have it. So if you're still struggling with it, I don't know if I want to forgive, perhaps you consider the grace you've received from God and maybe give a portion of that to someone else. Our families, I think, a lacking honor being displayed in our homes. Frankly, if you, and if you're like, yeah, I don't have my family, I live by myself. If you've got roommates, if you work with people, come on, we can take honor wherever we go, where whoever you talk to, whoever you're around, whether you're related to them or you don't even like them, you can still s- treat them like they're valuable. Is this not the problem in our country, in our world, is a lack of honor? I challenge you. I dare you to be a person that brings honor everywhere you go without demanding they earn it, but you bring it to them because you received it from God himself. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I am am overwhelmed. You deserve honor. You are absolutely incredible. There is proof after proof after proof after proof of you being absolutely amazing. You are almighty. You are loving. You are kind. You deserve all the honor, but you you came and died for us. God, thank thank you for valuing us when we have not earned it but you stamped that onto us. God, I pray for the families that are included in this conversation. The families that have been guilty like our family has been. Of having days where we just treated each other like we were just ordinary. Lord, forgive us for those moments. Would you renew our relationships. God, would you give us a passion to show value 
to anyone we come across. God, thank you for these opportunities. We love you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.